Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janice Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of futures. At Janice Henderson, we are committed to helping you invest in a brighter future for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Market moving insight and analysis. Join Jim Cramer, David Faber, and me, Carl Quintanilla, on the opening bell hour of CNBC Squawk on the Street. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with Jim Cramer and David Faber. Futures are trying to claw their way into the green here after the 28th record close of the year. Jobless claims come down a touch. COVID deaths do set a new record. And we've got news on Snowflake, CrowdStrike, Chevron, Kroger, and more. Our roadmap begins with markets at new highs. Democratic leaders back off some of their demands. And Goldman says that a fiscal relief deal is now more likely. And there are going to be some job cuts at 3M, the pandemic forcing a global restructuring for that Dow component. And finally, just reading through that note from Goldman Sachs, the upgrade of Tesla this morning, the street high now, price target of 780. We'll go over that. Carl. All right, guys, let's start with uh, stimulus, obviously. Topic number one for the markets as we go into year end, Jim. Uh, You got uh, Schumer and Pelosi Mm -hmm. using the bipartisan compromise as a framework. Hoyer says maybe a vote next week. McConnell says they're acting in good faith. What can go wrong? Well, look, I think that they got to do it because one of the things that that they don't even talk about is uh, in Jane one, you can evict people. Uh, and I think a lot of mom and pop uh, re- uh, renters, in other words, the landlords, absolutely uh, will exercise that. And I think that we got to figure out what happens to those people. Remember, it's been in abeyance. You're talking about perhaps as many as eight million people that could be, uh, that could be evicted. And I really think that we three point three point six million were evicted last year. Uh, and I think it could be worse this year because of unemployment. So there's a lot that could go wrong here. And it's really important that they agree to some deal. I, I heard the arguments before. From, I don't want to argue. OK, I just I think everybody knows that right now we need some deal. And I think, David, that if you don't have some deal, then what happens is you get to the promised land of the vaccine later than we do in the U.K., and there's just this kind of abyss. It's like the Jordan River is deep and wide, David, uh, but the vaccine's on the other side. Yeah, well, the CDC had some sobering things to say yesterday and seems yeah. to be uh, more willing to say them now uh, in terms of what uh, December, January, February being the worst months for, for health. Yeah. Uh, you know what, I should quote it directly, but you know what I'm saying, in oh, yeah. the history of the nation. Basically, to your point, we're headed into a very bad period. In fact, we're there. What were there, 2,800 deaths yesterday or perhaps even more? Depends on which which of the various COVID uh, 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 metrics you follow or the ones who do the case counts. But there it is. Well, let's say 2,777. What's terrible, Dave? Remember when there were people who just said, hey, listen, it's just cases, not deaths. Yeah. This thing's fine. No, it's death. You just, I don't know if you got the Times push just now. I got on my wall. The Times push is, sounds like it's a civil war. The kind of numbers that you got during, you know, the Battle of Shiloh. Um, but to your point, Jim, so uh, there is a need for the money. There's a need for the money now. It is how Schumer and Pelosi dropped their ask by half. I mean, if they were going to go there, why not have done it months ago? I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. 
And could we have been a lot further along and actually having had something? Do you have any sense in terms of where uh, the current president, Trump, stands on on this? I saw some headlines that indicate he would not sign off on the nine hundred eight billion. Yeah, I saw those too. But David, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Arizona—these loom large in the president's mind. Not because of COVID. No, vote totals. Yeah, I know. That's unfortunate. Yeah. A lot of other people looking at it as the, as the uh, deaths and uh, caseloads in those states. But I think that the president's uniquely focused on the, uh, the voting tallies. But am I joking? No, you're not joking. I'm not. You're I'm absolutely not. serious. He spent 46 minutes on it last night. And Carl, uh, what comes back to this question as to whether we really can hope to get any sort of stimulus or let's call it relief package out of Congress during the lame duck year, uh, or whether we're going to have to wait until after Joe Biden's inauguration on the 20th of January. Yeah, RBC this morning, guys, with a sobering note. Uh, they do see herd immunity, which is about 45 percent of the population vaccinated around June. All right. So that's RBC's view. But they add, guys, along the way, our model predicts that an additional 270,000 individuals in the U.S. will die. So... Pfizer. Uh, the coming months are going to be tough. We uh, have to get yeah. Pfizer. Not we to have mention to get guys, J&J. They have to happen. It, the clock is so ticking, Carl. Clock is ticking. It's circling. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, guys, um, the ongoing story of corporate restructuring and layoffs continues today. 3M files in 8K, looking at 2,900 job cuts around the world. That's in addition, Jim, to should we do the list? I mean, Exxon, Conoco, uh, Wells, Nike. Boeing, uh, Ford, Raytheon, Goldman. I mean, it's it's typical at year end, but it's adding up. Well, I, I, I don't mean to be uh, a dollar sign uh, represented by a man, but every one of those stocks is worth buying because of the tough actions they're taking, because the, the top line's not that bad. I mean, all those companies I, I, I've been recommending Ford, uh, Goldman. I'm trying to get my arms around 3M. I, the 3M is, is dealt has been dealt a bad hand in a lot of different places, but I think they're coming back and. I, I, I don't want to distinguish, David. It's very tough. Yeah. To, you have to distinguish stocks from people. And it is painful to look at the deaths and then look at the layoffs and then look at the profits. Without a doubt. Uh, and as Carl said, 2,900 positions globally for 3M. Uh, and the numbers there, what, you know, what they wanted to tell us, uh, total pre-tax charge 250 to 300 million uh, and uh, various other charges with the uh, hopes that uh, – that uh, annual pre-tax savings are between 200 and 250 million from these actions. The actions themselves, though, sound like things that businesses just do. I mean, right. really, they're going to eliminate redundancies and better use analytics to drive additional efficiencies. Uh, OK, why wouldn't you be doing that all the time in marketing? They're going to build on their success in utilizing data insights, accelerating global marketing programs and activating digital engagements with customers. Again, that sounds like normal course business, doesn't it, if you're actually trying? Yeah, well, if, if you look at, I, I have Snowflake on tonight, and I know you could argue that there are companies that in two days make what these guys are making in a quarter, and they've got a much lower valuation. But when you bring uh, Snowflake in, that's what you can do. Every one of those restructurings makes sense because you just don't need nearly as many people when you have the Snowflake dashboard. Uh, they're just, it's a remarkable company, just very hard to value. But yeah, I mean, I think that they're doing exactly what they have to do with 3M. And Mike Romer's doing a terrific job. But uh, again, you, you have companies like Snowflake that make it so that 
perhaps you just don't need as many people and you can do a lot better. What's that worth? Carl, these are, we have some amazing companies that are reporting and they're doing things that make it so that you can, I don't want to say get away with firing people, but you just don't need to hire nearly as many people than you currently have. And it's going to cause a, a ripple throughout the economy. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Levy had a great tweet talking about how the cloud, Jim, uh, which we talk about so much, uh, changed the way software was built. Now it's actually changing the way people work. Totally. That's a great point. Uh, what I like about uh, Subin, by the way, uh, CEO of, of Snowflake, it's not a SaaS model. I mean, it's a model where you use it, you pay. It is just like a real business. He actually has numbers that cannot be uh, fudged, as a lot of the companies that we see can. Uh, and yes, uh, Aaron, who might just, Aaron Levy, who really is one of the few uh, philosophers of tech, is correct. This next revolution that's occurring makes it so that there's whole swaths of in your in your central office or now, I guess, at home who are just unneeded and, and can't do the job that Snowflake can do uh, it, it brilliant company. Again, how do you value it? David, you know, some of these companies like Tesla, how do you value it? Um, I don't know when it comes to Tesla. I don't know. Let's do a DCF valuation, assuming 15 million <laughs> units in 2040. And therefore, uh, after that, we have Tesla entering perpetuity growth of two and a half percent. That's Goldman Sachs's estimate of how you analyze and uh, try and assess the value of Tesla. And that's how they get to that 780 price target from 450. You feel his pain? <laughs> yeah. He downgraded the stock in, uh, in June. By the way, you can't, da- you can't blame anybody for downgrading. And when it comes to Tesla, I don't think. It was, uh, but it's been up 192% since the downgrade versus uh, the S&P, up 22%, which, by the way, has been pretty darn good. That's since the middle of June when Goldman made the mistake of downgrading Tesla, only to upgrade it today. On better long-term sales outlook and margin expansion, Jim, their EV adoption case scenario keeps going up. They call for 26% global EV adoption by 2030, 40% in 2035. I know. I mean, it's painful because then he had to stretch it to... Uh, the EV, more, more adoption, the battery, the margins getting better. And I mean, then what also I, autonomous, full autonomous. Well, yeah, but wouldn't it have been five. better to just say, listen, I can, you know, he did say that I got it wrong. That was, that was I mean, this is me a culpa piece. Yeah. But at the same time, uh, I, I think that what the, the people who read it make, they make judgments about his credibility going forward because, David, there were finances, including by Goldman. And maybe this is, they needed the, uh, to bring back, uh, David, the Chinese wall. Remember the Chinese wall where the analysts listen to the, to the corporate finance? And I mean, that's what he needed. He needed to listen to corporate finance. They had to slip him the note saying, listen, go and hire. No, the Chinese wall defeated this. Right. Your point being, if you talk to the guys on the corporate finance side, you would have had a more bullish outlook. Yes, because they priced these deals in five minutes. And everybody would line up to but buy. But the analyst was so pure. Yeah. What a shame. EV. They- Bigger picture is this is I mean, again, it was Goldman on Neo, I think, the other day. Right. Also, was that was that Goldman that we're yeah, talking about? I guess increases increased adoption in the Chinese market. I mean, let's just take a step back and think about there's Neo. Uh, OK. Uh, about EV and what that is going to mean if these numbers are correct. Thirty five, 40 percent within, let's call it the next 15 years, 14 years. What's yeah. that going to mean? Jim, uh, for so many different industries, obviously the auto industry. But beyond that, 
guys who uh, get the stuff out of the ground that goes eventually into the tank? Yeah. David, I mean, you're raising the questions that a lot of us are trying to figure out. At what point do we become too bullish? At what point do we decide that the future is now? I mean, I've been doing so much work on hydrogen. Elon Musk is right. It's just completely untenable as a fuel. But what happens if President-elect Biden decides, you know what? We are going to make a Manhattan Project hydrogen bus, hydrogen car. What happens if he does it? Right. And then suddenly the pull-through is incredible. And you'll say, why didn't I buy it? Well, it also subsidizes it in some significant way, right? Because it would obviously be good for fighting climate change and a lot of different things. And potentially be beneficial to U.S. industry. Right. Nikola. If he subsidizes Nikola. (laughs) Even GM wouldn't do that. No. Mary Barr's got a pretty good EV. But you know what? Let's get that fellow who did the Tesla. What would he put a price on GM with the EV? I don't know, 90? You ought to get ahead of that. Oh, I know you're all over it. But there are, Carl, there are so many implications from these continued rising, maybe perhaps too optimistic, but just this this, uh, generally upped version of what people believe will be the case in 10 or 15 years in terms of percentage of uh, cars on the road that are going to be uh, electric vehicles. How about Germany? um, You can listen to them or you can listen to Chevron today, Jim. I was joking that my Twitter feed was Tesla upgrades and and CapEx uh, reductions as Chevron takes CapEx down to 14 to 16 billion prior 19 to 22. And that's for the next five years. I know. I thought that was. Look, Mike Worth is he's he, he can walk the walk and talk the talk. Now, Exxon the other day made some motions to preserve the dividend. And that was absolutely, it's sacrosanct for them. These are just great numbers, period. I have been saying that Chevron and Pioneer are the two that saw this coming and have been the best. And Mike Worth, even though he just bought Noble, he, he's a realist. David, there are some people in the oil world that don't just say, you know what, if you pump it, they will come. They, they, have concert, they look at their balance sheets, uh, Sheffield at Pioneer, and they don't overstretch. Yeah. And yet a lot of the other oil companies just kind of felt like, hey, it's got to go back to 60, doesn't it? You know, I just continue to wonder about access to capital and or in this case, not their ability to have access to capital, but to have to new invest or dollars come into these names. I mean, I look at this BlackRock survey that they just did. Remember, of course, earlier this year when BlackRock put out sort of new metrics in terms of how it would start evaluating companies overall, the largest asset managers on the planet. Um, 25 trillion in assets. They uh, plan to double their ESG assets in five years. Climate-related risks are the top sustainability portfolio concern for 88% of respondents to this, again, global client sustainable investing survey done by BlackRock. Uh, 20% said, uh, you know, that uh, this the pandemic would actually accelerate their sustainable investing allocations. It's a tectonic shift, is what Black, uh, BlackRock says. Jim. And and so I just right. I don't know when you're in this business. I just not quite sure how you how you get yeah, it done. No, you're right. And I think that when you look at what uh, Doug Peterson's doing over at uh, S&P in terms of his, his ESG funds, Chevron is not in those. And Mike Worth's the best there is. Best there is. And we'll keep talking to him, Carl, about sustainability. Guys, Every time he wants to come yep. on, we'll be happy to talk yep. to him about it. You're so mean. No doubt. We got a bunch of uh, (laughs) retail stories to get to today, including Dollar General and Costco 
and Kroger. Senate's going to have uh, two votes um, at 11.30. One of them is confirmation of Christopher Waller uh, to the Board of Governors of the Federal Reserve as that Senate majority goes down to 52.48. Looks like Shelton's out of luck, but we'll talk more about that later on this morning. Don't go away. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Let me introduce you to an incredible entrepreneur, an incredible CEO, the founder of Slack, Stuart Butterfield. Stuart, come on out here. All right. Welcome. Hey, thank you. Great to see you. I wish I could give you a hug, but we're yeah. staying six feet apart. We got, uh, ten feet. Easy. <laughs> That's good, because then you can't see how much shorter I am. Congratulations, Stuart. You know, we're so excited. <laughs> that is Benioff <laughs> and Butterfield uh, making the announcements yesterday, Jim, uh, as we're having to do sort of these... Um, demonstrations and, uh, and presentations in a, in a COVID world. Well, look, I, I just think people didn't bother to read uh, what Stuart Butterfield was saying. I mean, just go over some figures. Slack Connect, last four quarters of growth and connection, 140%, 160%, 200%, 240%. I mean, that's viral. That is viral. And I've got to tell you, when I read that, I think, did anyone even bother to notice how strong Slack has come on, except for maybe Saudi and Nadella. David, you cannot look at Slack in a static way. It is doing incredibly well. It can do three times that, I believe, with Salesforce. This was not some acquisition of some failing company. The company was taking very big business this quarter, and I don't know a soul who bothered to even look at how it was doing. What are you reading there? Notes. Okay. Um... What? I can. You're allowed. I do it all the time. Notes. Yeah, I get you. I got you. Just, just checking. You do that to me every day. All right. We won't talk about all the acquisitions Salesforce has done and the concerns of people that they have that they haven't fully integrated them, Jim, and they worry about that. And yes, they put up big numbers, but we won't talk about that right now. <laughs> uh, we'll take a break here. A lot more to get to, including a mad dash on this Thursday. Don't go away. Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to fight rising costs of inflation or pay off your debt or anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Yahoo Finance, our sponsor today, can help. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been helping great investors like you. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just looking for tips, Yahoo Finance makes it super easy by putting all the tools and data you need in one spot. Yahoo Finance takes a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and more. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including 401k and other investments. That's how Yahoo Finance gives you insights and helps you take a look at your wealth in its entirety. That big picture perspective is what great investors need. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor. YahooFinance.com, the number one financial destination. YahooFinance.com. That's YahooFinance.com. Time for a mad dash as we count down to an opening bell for this Thursday, about seven and a half minutes till we get started with trading. Dollar General is yeah, a feature. We're starting to get a little tougher on the retailers. 
Costco last night reported plus 15 wasn't good enough. These guys, David, Dollar General, they reported same-store sales increases of 12.2. That was terrific. By the way, Kroger did, too. Not enough to please this crowd. 12.2% is not enough? Not enough. So now we're finally at that level where people are saying, no, I'm through with paying up for double-digit gains. And I find it remarkable. I think this was real. Now, maybe they can talk their way out of it, but people are saying, hey, listen, it's up 36%. Uh, how much more can they expand? And I think that this, this stock will come back. But we are at that level, David, where when you read what these – I read Costco plus 15. I said to myself, oh, my God, I was, I was looking for 14. They only beat it by one? I got guys beat it by five. I, don't, I got guys beat it by seven. Why do I need by one? And so Costco goes down. Same here. David, what do they want? You can't please anyone anymore. Do, does this mean, though, that you question the valuation of the stock at this you point? mean like the New Yorker valuation or the valuation? No, you're referring to a devastating piece about the dollar stores. I, I read it, I think it was early in the yeah. pandemic. No, I just think that. About safety in the stores. Very I hard know. read. I, I'm just saying that uh, I think that people have said, listen, if they're up really, really big, it has to really blow the numbers away like a target did. Mm-hmm. I mean, Target's been the hero of this period, by the way. Brian Cornell, unsung to some degree because he frankly comes out four times a year. And otherwise, when you see him, he doesn't want it on the record and just shows, shows you some stores and says, look, this is what, you know, look where our store is. No one's built in this neighborhood in a long time. And just walk around the store and tell me what you think. Right. Uh, which I love uh, from a guy from Queens. Whitestone. My wife, know you. It. Know it well. And, I'm, and Barbara Streisand is from Brooklyn. Did you read the piece by Jim Stewart? I did not. She could solve the world's problems. But I did know that she was from Brooklyn. Yeah. So is Janet Yellen. Yeah? Yeah. And we can go on and on from there. But we got an opening bell to get everybody to right now. So uh, let's, uh, let's do that. Take a break. We'll be right back. Watch the airlines this morning. Uh, Delta CEO out with a note saying the daily cash burn is expected to be about 12 to 14 million for the quarter. That's up from their previous call of 10 million, Jim. And it echoes what uh, JetBlue said on Monday, uh, because some of these booking trends are, uh, are kind of volatile right now, given the rising caseload. Yeah, and there's JetBlue with uh, 36 million shares that they offered at 1440. As I've been saying to David, uh, they don't know. These younger investors don't know what dilution means. They think there's a lot of stock for sale. What a great opportunity. Uh, so they buy it. Look, you're already up. I would, Delta said they need a vaccine badly. No kidding. I'm still wondering, and I'm going to put it right to David. Uh-oh. Why is the FDA slower than the U.K., given the fact that the U.K. health system is usually pretty good? I don't know. You don't know? No, I don't. It was more rhetorical, actually. It was? Okay. Yeah. But I actually am curious as to the answer. Well, I don't know, but I think it's travesty. You know what they call? You know they don't call. Well, really, there. I mean, we're going to be a jabs. week. We're going to be a week behind them. Let's let's just step back for one moment and appreciate what what has been accomplished here and how staggering it is. No, no, it is. It I was just, only April when we were all still talking about. Well, typically vaccines take how many years, Jim? Five, if you're lucky. I remember that. I right? know. I said it can and be done. And here fit. we are. I, I, I it's said it incredible. could be done faster. And the New York Times called me Otter from uh, Delta House. Uh, Animal House, whatever. Yes, Delta House was a bad TV show. Yeah, Animal House. Yes. And you remember who was the dean? Uh, yes, Dean Warmer, Faber College. Knowledge is good. And knowledge is good. Uh, and thankfully, uh, Pfizer and Moderna Pfizer's had a lot real. of knowledge. Yeah, well, I've got to tell you. Okay, you're absolutely right. I'm not, I don't want to put a gun to, to uh, the FDA's head, but I think we all like to get jabbed as soon as possible. And apparently they have the doses. I think that 
Uh, Carl, this is one of those classic under-promise, over-deliver. At 40 million doses in the U.K., I thought there were only 40 million doses altogether. Yeah. No, I was tweeting some of the uh, U.K. tabloids this morning. Uh, one of the headlines is Jabba Jabba Do, yeah. the big uh, cartoon <laughs> of Fred Flintstone, as they start looking for inoculations uh, sometime in the coming days. There's the opening bell, guys, as we uh, try to build on the record close from yesterday. Jim, we mentioned the airlines quickly. Delta's also saying that they're offering at-home testing kits to all of their U.S. employees. Yeah, that's great. Delta, interesting. Delta has a flight going to Italy where they test you before and they test you after and you don't need to quarantine. They have been the most forward of airlines. Ed Bastian doing a terrific job. Hey, Bam Bam, did you see that uh, Ryanair is going to buy 75 uh, planes from <laughs> Boeing? What? Aren't you? Bam Bam? No. Bam Bam? Yeah. It wasn't a Bam Bam in that. <laughs> Pebbles? No, it was, that's the Flintstones. Yeah. Well, Yabba dabba do. Yeah. Oh, right. That is Jabba Jabba do. Yeah, Jabba. Okay, what were you thinking? I have a hard time Jabba keeping up with you. Well, as everybody else does, too. Uh, I did not see the Ryanair news. But that's, that's a big uh, order. 75 planes, and they're doing their buying. It's a, and it's the Boeing 737. Actually, I, now I remember. 737, yes. David. I'm aware. Notice what I didn't call it. The Max. It's 737. It's just the 737. Yeah, I'm dropping the Max. It's back. Uh, nearing, nearing a deal, a deal by I got, It was in the Irish papers. They, yeah. they jumped Near, the Nearing guy. a transaction. I'm reading the Irish papers. Of course, you do every day. You have to. Yeah. My <laughs> wife's Irish. You got to stay up on those Irish papers. <laughs> got to. Find out who's transferring <laughs> their intellectual property to Ireland to get a huge tax break. Is that still going on? I remember I went to, when I was an Intel Hulk. I went to when an Intel plant opened there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The and it, you know, they, they had like five people in it, and they got a huge tax break. Yeah. The Israeli uh, Intel plant that I visited mm-hmm. on Saturday had nobody. Nobody there at all. No, because it's a Sabbath. It's a Sabbath. It ran right. all by itself. There you go. There you go. Um, well, Jim, to your point about Carl? Uh, to your point about uh, Boeing, Jim, uh, two twenty nine. If it can take out two thirty four, you will surpass that June high and get you all the way back to uh, levels that we saw in March. Well, we're going to do that. I think in about seven minutes. I think that one of the things that's great about uh, Boeing is is that there's actual demand. Again, I think all of me, it's going to come from China. I know that that President-elect Biden is not being. Do you see the stuff, David, that the, the, the President uh, Trump is doing right now with China, the slash and burn? Yes. I mean, you know, Peter Navarro doing his job. I, you know, I was always in favor of what Navarro was doing in terms of being tough on China. But it's kind of late. But I, I'm counting on China to put in some Boeing orders. Well, on that larger policy issue, though, we've made this point and and President-elect Biden seems to have agreed there's not going to be any real change, at least in the near term, in terms of the tariff regime. Well, don't you want to get something in return? Like, listen, we'll get rid of the tariffs if you buy 100 Boeing 737s. Weren't they supposed to buy a lot of agricultural products? Enough of the ad. Those guys are all, do you see deer? Tyson was upgraded today. How much more can you give these guys? Ooh, unlimited amount. Because Jefferson, you know what Jefferson said? Yeah, about farms? Yeah. I like to hark back to the founding fathers now and then. It's not a bad thing to do. Or Jefferson, the guy who crushed me in, in the Vikings last week. In that fantasy. one, too. Yeah, well. Yeah, um, Yeah. people explaining to me who Bam Bam is. I, I know, all right? I've, I just Sometimes I just miss <laughs> You were on Jeopardy. I was, was still great? thinking was Animal House Carl, Carl, for a second. break all form. How great was Alex Trebek? Because we still, how great? He's the, he was the best. He and was, you may actually talk to him. He, 
Yes, I talked to him. Yes, when more I than won just Jeopardy, saying, more than just supplying nice. the questions to the lovely, It was a lovely man and uh, an incredible professional. And obviously, many of the fans of that show will miss him. Um, all right, back to business, guys. Uh, listen, uh, let's just, you know, SPACs. I want to talk a little SPACs if I can. Luminar? Um, did you see this new one, uh, Altamar, uh, Dial Capital? Dial Capital is part of Neuberger Berman that's invested in the GPs, a lot of uh, asset managers. It's getting together with Al Rock Capital, and then the two of them are going to end up going public through Altamar. It, it, at least they got a letter of intent for it uh, at this point. It's not a done deal. The Journal reported on this morning. They confirm it. But it's an interesting deal just because... Dial owns some of Alrock, and then they're using it to go public. There haven't been that many asset managers that have gone the SPAC route at this point, though there have been a few. Right. It's just another of the endless series of SPAC transactions. We were, this morning we were keeping track. I mean, there are over 200 this year already. You've got one. I mean, they're almost at one a day. In fact, more than one a day now. I mean, today we've got four SPACs. Trading. Four. Oh, it's crazy. The one that um, Luminar is good, they had this CEO on it. Yeah, but we've got, again, these are not when they announce the deal. This is simply when they actually begin trading, having raised the money. So Far Peak, that's Tom Farley. That's a big one. And remember, things didn't go well for him on his first one, Global Blue. You would keep insisting quite, on accountability. It's really a poorly. Drag. Now, listen, it wasn't his fault in the sense of the pandemic obviously changed that business. Mm-hmm. Uh, Highland Transcend Partners, it's $275 million. That's Ian Friedman. Live Oak. And even uh, Sternlich's already back. Jaws? Yeah, Jaws Spitfire. Was that a combination of a British plane and a great movie? I guess so. (laughs) (laughs) million. The vial and the Spitfire. Um, Mm. And then some of the names, you know, I like to keep an eye on uh, Ackman's back because it is still the largest out there in terms of the money that's been raised. Tontine? Yeah, Tontine. Have you seen where that stock is? Goes up every day. Every day, Jim. Take a look. Uh, There's Alrock. Not that one. Take a look at Tontine. Uh, because it was 25 the last I checked. Well, David, I mean... By the way, has announced the deal. It's got to be an enormous transaction, we know, given the size of the SPAC itself. I will say this, to be fair to Mr. Ackman, uh, the, the terms on that SPAC, very different from many others, and much more investor... F- uh, uh, Favoriting investors. Yes. Much better for investors. I'm glad you pointed that out. I mean, um, you know, some of them are not so high. In terms of his benefiting when they benefit, not just the 20% promote right off the top. So, uh, but why is that? Why is that? Jim, why? Why? I, I don't know. Why, why did Nikola go up so I mean, much? They haven't done anything yet. They haven't announced their deal. Why, why, why is everyone so happy? Why isn't it 10 bucks still? Well, I don't know. Why was Houdini able to get out of everything? I mean, you well, know. he was. He just got punched in the stomach. Why couldn't he have gotten past I, that? I don't know. Carl, we are seeing, uh, it, you used to be able to say, well, hold it, Goldman blessed it or Morgan Stanley blessed it. Now nobody cares. I mean, look at Palantir. It got downgraded yesterday. It was right back. Right back. Nobody needs, uh, Spotify, by the way, had some fabulous news there. Everyone's talking about that. Uh, it, there's a whole new world, and there are no analysts who follow these things, which makes it really difficult. Not that you don't get a, you know, um, there is a an, Tesla. Yeah, there's an R plan, the SPACs, too, that people, you know, the, there's the warrants at 1150 people. Uh, and so you do get hedge funds playing in there because it's David, can, I'm calling it. You know what I'm calling returns. it? I'm calling it speculation. Yeah. You like that? Yeah. It's underneath. Yeah, it. I know. And also, but Palantir, you're right. That's the 4 a.m. traders again. Yeah, they're back. Every time you chart it, 4 a.m., there they are. I, I know Frank Del Rio, who's from Norwegian Cruise. He pointed out yesterday. Yeah. He put out a news release saying he's not going to sail for another two months. Stock flew. Stock flew. 4 a.m. 
The 4 right a.m. guys. Yeah. Simon Properties, they always buy at 4 a.m. They love David Simon. He doesn't love them. He doesn't love anybody. But you were the only person up at 4 a.m. doing anything. I was, I was up at 3 o'clock this morning. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. I got a call that maybe I should read a keynote speech. Um, oh, I, I am here, seeing here that maybe PSTH did trade uh, priced at a higher number. So I, I may have been incorrect in terms of the, the Ackman's back. So I do want to check that. They, people but it has been quite strong. Memo to people who watch Mad Money, could you please, on the lightning round, stop calling me and ask me all the SPACs? Because a lot of times it's just some guy with a check. It's a blank check. Right. I wouldn't even leave my electrician a blank check. And now, no, I like him. He's pretty good. <laughs> what? <laughs> I like him. He's a good guy. Uh, you like your electrician? Yeah, yeah he's good. PSTH. That was actually because it was a different, as I said, it had a sort of a different uh, mold. It was priced at a higher number than the typical SPAC. So I do want to just correct that. Thank you. No problem. Carl, what is going on that there can be so much greatness, and we're sitting here and looking at these numbers right now. Everyone's looking at the numbers all over the world. They have no one's crested other than the Chinese. Chinese yesterday, 18 cases, Carl, 18 cases, 1.2 billion. And we wonder why they're doing better than we are. 18 cases. I mean, you can go anywhere in that. I mean, there's probably more. There, there, how many How many colds did they get yesterday? I mean, you wonder why. But we're, you know, all the companies that sell into China are doing incredibly well. I know that yesterday I had PVH. And what was the strength of PVH, which is obviously is it's Calvin Klein and Tommy Hilfiger, singles day, Carl. Yes. China. Yeah. That was the strength. Uh, which, which makes this, uh, makes this House bill about uh, delisting Chinese companies a little more interesting. Uh, it does appear that the president would be interested in signing it, Jim, which has implications for J.D. and Baba and Neo and a lot more. I do want to get you quick on Kroger because they raised their guide. Uh, margins and sales up for the year uh, hasn't happened in 20 years for Kroger and is def- definitely hard to do in that business. But you're looking at lows going back to um, almost April here. Yeah, I, this is one again that, that fits the pattern uh, that I was talking about with David, which is that it's just not enough. Uh, people are now getting very, very greedy. I, I cannot believe that it is not enough because I thought it was very good. Uh, was there real pressure anywhere? No, I don't think so. I, 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 this stock went up because uh, Warren Buffett bought a lot of it. By the way, Warren Buffett bought a lot of Snowflake, just so we know. Uh, Signet, Signet Jewelers reported a good number. Uh, Gina Droses of 15%. Or at least the stock is down just a little Jim, bit. Jim, real That's quick, finally, before we go uh, get to Bob, uh, you had XPO Logistics on last night. Yeah, they Brad did Jacobs. announce this, this split. You had Brad Jacobs on. They're separating logistics and their transportation businesses. Uh, market's responding positively to that this morning. Well, it's too hard to figure out what these companies are worth when they're all under one roof. But the logistics business is really extraordinary, and it's getting no value. And meanwhile, Old Dominion trades it twice. So now the trucking company, twice what XBO trades? That makes no sense to me. They're both in the exact same business. There we go. Guys, we're on the Dow at least, back above yesterday's high. Within a stone's throw of 30K once again. Let's get to Bob Pisani. Morning, Bob. Good morning, Carl. Uh, somewhat flattish open, but d- December so far, at least, is looking a lot like November. And that's generally a positive thing, given the November numbers. Let's take a look at the sectors today. Uh, once again, in the two and a half days of trading that we've had, uh, bank stocks, energy stocks have been leading the way. But technology's also been up this week in general. So that's pretty good here. Getting a little, little flattish here, as you can see. But by and large, looking a lot like November. Consumer 
uh, Staples and some of the other more defensive names are generally lagging the overall markets. This is just in the first two and a half days. But again, still pretty positive overall. Just want to highlight what's been going on with the airlines. We had positive comments from Delta, of course, but uh, the Jets ETF, which is the main airline ETF, has seen huge amounts of trading and creation of uh, new stock in that particular ETF. So a lot of interest. I think some of this is retail. This is the highest level for this ETF since going back to March, believe it or not. And even though it's down compared to where it was in February, uh, it's had quite a climb back. And uh, the, the amount of stock that's been created around this, amount of interest in airline trading has been huge in the last couple of months. Really one of the big winners in the ETF space. Uh, this this uh, year. In terms of the market movers, of course, we've talked a lot about sentiment. We've talked a lot about how there's extreme bullishness uh, that's out there overall. We've talked about how the earnings are kind of uh, in a tough situation right now. Very, very high valuation. So here you see the second quarter. We had $27 for the S&P 500. These are the estimated numbers for earnings for the S&P. Q3 was the big move that we saw to the upside, $39. There's the big rally in the stock market. But we've been stuck since then. We keep waiting for the numbers to go higher for the fourth quarter and for the first quarter of 2021. But you see, they're stuck there, about $37. They're below the third quarter. Well, this is a problem. You've got prices going way up and the earnings estimates going nowhere right now. So we've got a real valuation gap right now. We're talking about 22 times 2021 numbers. That is extremely pricey. And yes, the economy is improving. And when the economy is improving, you can have a higher multiple. But 22, that's a pretty pricey multiple. And 19 times 2022 numbers. So they've already got 2022 estimates out there. Bit of a risk now for the markets. Bullishness, really extreme. We look at a simple one. This is the American Association of Individual Investors weekly survey. Several thousand of their members here, 49% bullish. That's the second highest reading going back nearly three years. Uh, bearishness is really low. That's the lowest level since early January there. This is a simple sentiment indicator, but you get the idea. All of these sentiment indicators are really at extremes right now. And you want to keep an eye on that when you've got very high prices, very uh, earnings that are not keeping up with the prices and extreme levels of bullishness. Finally, Carl mentioned that the House bill um, that passed late yesterday that would delist Chinese firms uh, listed in the U.S. if they didn't cooperate with U.S. regulatory authorities. Uh, it's not moving the big names here, uh, as you can see. I think the key story here is delisting would be very disruptive to the global ETF business, the global mutual fund business. These companies are listed in all of these uh, emerging market and global mutual funds and global ETFs. So delisting would be very disruptive. It's not moving them right now. I think there's a couple of reasons. First, it's very likely that some kind of deal will be reached here in the next six months or so. Sometime, some deal where the Chinese uh, authorities would allow U.S. regulators to sit and examine the Chinese audits and side by side with Chinese regulators. Now, remember, this is not about doing an audit. It's about simply reviewing the audits. They have not been allowing U.S. regulators to review the audits, and that's been a thorn in the U.S. regulators' side with their relations with the Chinese. That may get a little bit better. Finally, also remember, these companies are now, Carl, Many of them are now dual listed in Hong Kong. So there is access to foreign capital if they eventually need it in the event of some kind of overall meltdown in that situation. I don't think it's going to come to that, though. Carl, back to you. Yeah, that's a great point, Bob. Uh, thanks, Bob Pisani. We're going to get some services uh, survey data in the next minute. And then and again at 10, let's get to Rick Santelli. Yes, your timing is impeccable, Carl. Uh, the market, M-A-R-K-I-T, services, PMI. Well, 58.4. This replaces the mid-November read that was at 
57.7, so a nice gain there. And if we look at the composite PMI, it moved from its mid-month November read of 57.9 up to 58.6. These are the high watermarks, of course, since COVID hit. And do remember, in April, uh, these two respectively were 27 and 26.7. So we virtually doubled plus uh, where we started with. Now, there's always room for more improvement. We know there's a lot of pain out there. But this series, like many series of data points in the ISM yet to come, have improved rather dramatically. If you look at intraday of 10s, you can see that we are starting to ooze yield here. Yes, we're down a couple base points in 10. We're down three base points in 30s. If you open the chart up to one week, you can see 90 basis points is where the support should be on yield. Of course, that's because the prices are moving higher. And if you look at the HYG ETF, for high yield, you'll see it's making new all-time highs. Well, excuse me, new highs going back to March, early March. The reason that's important is, is because you would think with rates moving up, there'd be a little bit more nervousness in this ETF. There doesn't seem to be, nor in the investment-grade LQD. If you look at foreign exchange, zero versus dollar continues to make headway to the upside, dollar index to the downside. They're both comping to extremes unseen since April of 2018. When it comes to the Chinese currency, dollar not doing so well. It's at the weakest levels you see on this chart since the summer of 2018. However, where are the uh, investors going after they flee the dollar position? It seems like they're taking up a euro position. Here's the euro versus the Chinese currencies since October 1st. A much different look to the chart. Carl, Jim, David, back to you. All right. Thank you very much, uh, Rick Santelli. Uh, Boeing's leading the Dow at the moment, about to take out that June high, as Jim mentioned a moment ago, as the wires now have the item that Ryanair is ordering 75 more Boeing 737 MAX jets. Well, watch that. Dow's up 89. It's crazy out here. Bananas. People asking, is this it? Is New York over? We have an opportunity to rebuild, and that starts with who's leading our city. We want to stop more and more jobs and small businesses from vanishing. We need a mayor who can think big, bringing every expert, calling every favor. The leader who can pull us off is one who knows hundreds of small business owners and the people who invest in it. That is the formal announcement by former city executive Ray McGuire announcing he will run for New York City mayor in a video narrated by Spike Lee, music by Wynton Marsalis, Jim, which kind of tries to thread his humble upbringing with all of his connections from City. Well, full disclosure, Ray's been a friend of mine for 40 years. He's unbelievable. Uh, people, he's been a leader in the community. Uh, he also can, uh, I think, understands the plight of the disenfranchised better than anyone I've ever met. And he was also the smartest guy in my class. There you go. <laughs> all right. Well, the challenges for New York are, uh, are going to be quite significant, as we all know, given the diminution in the economy. Uh, and you're going to need somebody who really can be a champion of business in the city, Carl. That would certainly seem to be something that Mr. McGuire can speak to. Yeah, it's a, it's three minutes. Uh, it's definitely worth checking out yeah. at uh, his website. His Twitter account is Ray for Mayor. Uh, today's the day, by the way, of CNBC's annual Evolve event, uh, looking at transforming media this year and the way people create and consume content during a pandemic. Don't miss today's live stream. Begins at 2 o'clock Eastern time. Go to CNBCEvents.com slash Evolve to learn more and register. We're back in a moment. Let's get to Jim and stop trading. Sometimes you have CEOs who are so honest, they just come out and say, listen, we didn't meet our own expectations. I love it when they do that, even if they're tough. And that's what Splunk did last night as PLK. The stock is down 50, 25 percent. Doug Merritt, 
one of my heroes. This is a fantastic company. They data mine, and they miss the quarter. As a matter of fact, they only highlight Herbalife and New Skin is the two big orders. And, yes, those are multi-level marketing companies that I'm sure David has probably looked at at one time or another and said, hmm, to their accounting. But tonight's the big night. And tonight, in preparation for this, Carl, I read a 68-page book called Cloud Data Platform for Dummies because I have Frank Slootman from Snowflake, and I don't want to be a dummy when Frank Slootman is on the show because he's one of the toughest Really laser focused, yes, indeed, but great CEOs. And we have to figure out the valuation, too, because it was a tour de force quarter. Some people are just saying, listen, you can't have a company worth 100 times sales. Uh, some pe- other people say it's going to grow into its market cap. I can't wait to talk. Wow, look at that. It was down 35 last night. Well, Frank, Frank is one smart guy. He built ServiceNow and then gave it over to uh well, let's just say he gave it over to John Donahoe, but that's not who you remember. We, we talk about ServiceNow. We talk about Bill McDermott. We do. Don Donahoe at Nike now. Yes. But uh, Slootman is brilliant. I call him the, um, the Flying Dutchman. There's no one tougher. When he retired, he came on the show. I think he's been living, he was living in a cot there every day. I mean, I love him. All right? I love Slootman. Guilty. Guilty. Slootman's the real deal. Who are the two biggest shareholders? Salesforce, don't know if he sold it yet, and Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett, you know, he's a the value, special value guy, David. He's buying the 100 well, it wasn't time, him. 100 it was times one of sales. his other guys. Well, I know, but it's 100 times sales, and it's owned by Buffett. It's owned by Berkshire. Yeah, by Berkshire. Okay, all right, David's 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 Bam, bam. You can't wait. That's going to be bam, a big bam. one tonight, 6 right. p.m. Eastern time. <laughs> Thanks, David. Uh, speaking of cloud, Microsoft's head of cloud is going to join us on Squawk Alley in about an hour's time. In the meantime, holding on to S&P 3671. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 